Oh, I meant to look up too sometimes next week for us to finish our Lord of the Rings one shot. Yes. And go save the kids. Oh, goodness. I have so many D&Ds sessions. How many do you have? I DM currently two campaigns. And one, uh, I DM a side campaign that's just me and two other people. And it's more of like a hey, we're bored tonight. Let's play. Yeah, D&D. yeah. It's, it's very much on the off the cuff. Uh, and then I have the d- one shot for you. And then I'm I play as a player mm. on Saturdays. Okay. I play my rogue. Um, but yeah, it's oh D and D. It's <laughs> it's one of those things that you're like you have to keep track of it. Otherwise, it becomes work. And you're yeah. like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. It, it kills I always you. have so much fun when I play, but when we're like leading up to it, I'm like, oh, I need to like research. I need to look into my spells or uh-huh. and for like conversation. The DM, like it's like a like how my both my parents were teachers and I'd always watch them like making lesson plans at night. And <laughs> that's stuff. you. And that's me. I'm making like battle maps. I'm looking <laughs> up uh and the thing is. I put in some of that work, half the time not even used. Yeah. It's D and D. That's like that's DMing. the DM way. Yeah, it's specifically I guess if depending on what your DM style is, uh you can kind of railroad your players and be like, No, you have to go here. But I'm more like I want the players to do what they want and sometimes you want the them to go to do is run into the really kitchen. Stupid. Make some food, flirt with a sexy butch hobbit, you know. <laughs> I do what I can for the community. I had, I had a thought, and I wanted to discuss this with you, because yeah. <laughs> this is about our one shot now. We're just okay. totally derailed. Because um, I am an elf yeah. flirting with a hobbit, and I was thinking, <laughs> this is now the podcast at night, what it would be like if they had sex. Because elves don't really have sex. So sex. But like they do it. Because they want to like. Procreate basically. So like. I just I had guess. such an interesting. Thought. I analyzing mean, that whole concept. I mean maybe. they. It's like sex. Does oral count? Does they might what? just do oral. <laughs> I mean. Whatever they want counts, but I know how like elves don't usually for pleasure. I know, but so... it was written by a Catholic who probably wasn't thinking about two lesbians. <laughs> like, so therefore I can make. Therefore, I mean, it's, a, it's our one shot anyway. We like, maybe he wouldn't rules. even consider it sex. It's just like, oh, it's just hand stuff or something. It's just two gal pals playing under the sheets. Uh, <laughs> the youthful days of sleepover. Anyway. I found myself analyzing uh, at night hobbies between an elf and a hobbit because of all recent Tolkien stuff. And I like stepped back and I was like, Tori, look at you. You're such a nerd. Paul would be so proud. You should let Paul know. You're mixing your interests with porn. It's wonderful. (laughs) No. It's the erotica. Paul, my parents listen to this podcast. I don't actually know if they do, but... uh, Parents, if this makes it in, you are nothing. <laughs> it's a, it. They probably have better shows to watch. Um, <laughs> anyway, or listen to. That is uh, what our 
one shot is about. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. So I guess we could get started. I do have one more Tolkien-related question before oh. we dive into the course. Episode. Course. Paul, this is for me and also for our listeners. Uh, Finrod, who is he? Okay, Finrod is. We literally fin- just covered him. Okay, is he the one who just kind of became king? Like they no, just gave it to Orodrath. him. Oh, Finrod was the king who gave it to Orodreth. Finrod is the one who king. Baron came to him and he's like, hey, this is your ring. And Finrod's like, that is my ring. I'll help you out. He was the king who did the song battle against Sauron. Oh, and then, that like, was Finrod? Yeah, and died fighting a werewolf. That was Finrod. Okay. Okay. I was like, I know we just talked about Finrod. Paul's going to be so disappointed. Where are my notes? Probably. Your GPA is dropping. (laughs) I wasn't ready for the pop quiz. Um, A few of us were talking about who was Finrod. And we're all like, I don't know. And I was like, guys, don't worry. I'll talk about it with Paul so we could all learn together. Just having an existential crisis. Just like, <laughs> who is Finrod? I was like, I know what is Cloud Gaming? Which one is Finrod? Um, but with that break, let me go grab my notes. Yes, grab I your don't notes. have them here. Hey, I do have hey. a section. Finrod. Finrod. <laughs> Fellow yeah. gun, question mark. There we go. Plays harp in middle of camp of sleeping humans. That was him? Yeah, he was the big uh, human guy. He was like, hey, oh. humans are really great. And he's uh, Gladriel's brother. Yes. Yes, yes. Oh, so I should is this about... why we were having this discussion was, yeah. yeah. Is it the, like, the picture that they're now saying is Finrod? Yeah. Okay. And so the whole but... film, people mm. were like, Finrod, Finrod. <laughs> Galactic's okay. brother, that's all we know. I'm, I'm, I'm putting my foot down here. I feel like, because this show is supposed to take place in the Second Age. Well after Finrod is gone. Yeah. And people are like, oh, it's gotta be Finrod. I'm like, well, well, how does Finrod factor into this? Why? Why would he be here? Does Amazon (laughs) just really want to make a Silmarillion show? And they've had to settle for the Second Age stuff? Or are they just trying to get Silmarillion fans in by being like, oh, look at this, it's your blonde sexy boy, of which there are five billion but like, is this one with, special? Here, hold it up. Four billion of those have like F names in them. Honestly, well, yeah, Finarfin, Finrod, um, Feanor, Fingolfin. But the thing, thing is, Fingolfin and Feanor aren't blonde. They have a uh, black mm. hair. But um, yeah, I just I don't know how I feel about it. Like, and I ha- I still haven't gotten any actual detailed like info on like where this information's coming from. 
because everyone's saying yeah. it's Finrod. I'm like, I'm like, okay, but where cite your sources? It's like that new. <laughs> it's like finding out that that whole thing with like, oh, the Zodiac killer's been found. When you trace it all back, it apparently it just goes back to a guy who's like, it came to me in a dream that this guy oh. was the killer. Is the Zodiac killer Finrod? No. Has anyone tweeted that yet? No. <laughs> Though I'm sure you will get to it. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Listeners, when you listen to this back, go like I me. just absolutely stupid. I love Zodiac it. Killers Thank you. Bless you. Now we've made Thank that you. connection. Glad, glad we could do that. Glad we could establish this. <laughs> Thanks for clearing it up for the people. Well done. Anyway, I guess we should actually <laughs> focus on. I don't know how I'm gonna divvy this up because I have kind of a short chapter, and then there, and then we begin the tale of Turin Turambar, which I think is longer than Baron and Luthien. Oh heck! And this is when we get into like the super depressive parts of the Silmarillion. Oh boy! Any, I guess, cliffhanger or natural places to wrap. I, I think we'll stop somewhere in the middle of the tale of Turin Turambar and leave it there. All right. Three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Silly Marillion. This is the podcast where I, Paul, a lifelong fan of everything Tolkien, introduce Tori, a individual who has not watched very much of Tolkien, well, has not read very much of Tolkien. You've watched, you've watched plenty. Have you watched The Hobbit yet? No, I have not. Ooh, I think we'll have to do like <laughs> a Discord thing where we watch The Hobbit with like you and Steph. And- right after Shark Tales and... We have, we got to watch Shark Tales. Cats. We have a lot of stuff on our list. We don't have to watch Cats. We don't have to watch Cats. <laughs> and Twilight. And, God help me. <laughs> so yeah, this is Tori, who has <laughs> not read anything Tolkien. And I thought I had the bright idea of being like, hey, let's introduce her first Tolkien thing. As Sil- the Silmarillion, Marillion. which is usually people are like, "Don't start with the Silmarillion," and I'm like, "You know what? We're no. starting with We're the starting Silmarillion." Because one, you don't have to read it; you just have to hear me rant about it. So, which is the preferred method? Also, Maddie. hi, Paul. Thanks for having me this week. It's a pleasure oh, to be on your thank show. You, Tori. <laughs> thank you for letting me be in your house for a week. Um, oh, how's honey? Oh, she's great. I, oh, I can't show you her. her right now. She's with Grandma. Aw. Yeah. She misses you, too. She misses that barking you every time you stood up. I just... thing is, she got better. But the thing is, like, did. every now and, and again... And then you I left like, her. I, uh, God. <laughs> Hopefully she remembers me when I come back. Hopefully. Wow, yeah, the last time we really chatted, you were here in L.A. Yeah, last what time. What a time. What a time. What a time. I miss Del Taco already. Uh, it misses you too. We think of you every time we pass a Del Taco now. I come back to the fucking 
middle of bumfuck nowhere looking around just like oh gosh where am i gonna eat and it's like mcdonald's or burger king those are not your options not del taco damn it not del taco we only have taco bell which if i could swap out a del taco taco for a no swap out a taco bell taco for a del taco taco and keep the baja blast i think you'd have the perfect franchise you ever think they've considered you know how you have those like I don't know if they have the them, but like, yeah, the combo, uh, like Pizza song? Hut, KFC, or yeah, KFC I'm at Taco the Bell. Taco Bell, is it? I'm at the Taco Bell. I'm at the Pizza Hut. I'm at the combination. Like Taco Bell, Pizza Hut. Uh, yeah, maybe the other way. I'm at the KFC. combination. I thought, I th- is it? I thought there's a what KFC. Is it? In the thing is, they combined. <laughs> you know the song, they did so many combo ones that were just so confusing, but. Uh, but yeah, like, that might be a have they ever, of interest. Have they ever considered a Taco Bell Del Taco? <laughs> they just have like a, a like Taco Supreme, and it's just like a, a honestly Taco Bell just, and a Del Taco combined. They can just combine the names into Del Taco Bell. <laughs> like, honestly, <laughs> unite! Why oh keep competing when you can form a Taco Monopoly <laughs> and spread Patented. the eighty-nine cent Taco glory to the world? You heard it here first, folks. And then we'll just make it Tolkien themed. What's it going to be called? How can we wrap this back into Tol- our podcast? Tolkien's tacos. <laughs> Tolkien's, Tolkien's, Tolkien's tacos. Del Taco Bell. <laughs> Tolkien's tacos. You get um, Frodo fajitas. Um, <laughs> Boromir burritos. Oh, okay. Uh, shit. Uh, this is all you, bro. One sec. Get, get your I'm thinking. Blast in there. I'm thinking. Uh, uh, Celeborn quesadillas. Ooh. Um. Oh man, there's so many. You could do a Baron blast. Baron blasts. We do. We want like the um the Helcroxe coffee shop. Do we want that to be more Silmarillion themed, and then Tolkien tacos to be more Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Yeah. I can see it. God. Fresh produce on the tacos. Why am I not a billionaire? (laughs) We have so many ideas to act on. So many. Hey, if you're a listener and you are a billionaire and you would like to help support Jeff Bezos, I know I've said some unkind things about you in the past. (laughs) He doesn't But if you are listening, please (laughs) give me money. Um, Anyway. Tolkien. Uh, Silmarillion. Yeah, so last time <laughs> we finished up the tale of Baron and Luthien. Oh, and what a tale it was. What, what a tale it was. They just kind of they kind of faded into the woods. That's always one of my favorite things where they're like, peace. And then I they wanted them to live happily ever after. They Should do. Have known better. They do but live like... happily ever after. They just are now mortal like the rest of us. And they die. In fact, if you consider it, most happily ever afters involve them eventually dying. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> uh, they managed to steal a Silmaril. There's now a Silmaril freed from the crown of Morgoth. And Luthien has it, do? and she's wearing it all the time now in oh, their God. little house in the woods, and she's the most beautiful person because she's wearing the Silmaril. Um, but Baron is dead. No, Baron and Luthien are still alive. Oh. 
Remember, Baron uh, died. he dies, and then Luthien dies, and then oh. they're about to be parted forever because they are a man and an elf, and their spirits go to different places. But then she sings a song, and Manway's like, okay, well, either you can stay here, Luthien, in eternal bliss, but Baron okay. will have to leave, or you both become mortal, and you like have like a, you go with where the humans go, Luthien. I and then about we that whole part now yeah. I'm a little happier. <laughs> and then we send you guys back to Middle Earth to live out the rest of your lives. And then when you die, you both get to move on to the next world where the humans go. Okay. Um. Yay. But yeah. So this chapter, uh, well, this first part we'll be covering is called the Fifth Battle, and it is the Nernaith Arnoidiad. Are we only on the Fifth Battle? Uh, yeah, there's been five great battles in Valerian. Okay, great battles. Point. I was like, there's been yeah. a million battles. Oh, there's been plenty of, like, skirmishes <laughs> and side battles. But, like, these are, like, the five big battles here in Valerian. Okay. Um, and it's called the Nernaith Arnoidiad, which means the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I go well. But, um, Unnumbered Tears, great. And so... Baron and Luthien, they move to this little cottage in the woods. They have a son named Dior. Uh, uh, he's that also sounds B- like a fancy purse brand. Yeah, his, his, uh, his title is, uh, well, he is, um, he's kind of, uh, ed- ed- not edifice, epitaph, that's it, epitaph. His epitaph is uh, Aranel, which means the beautiful. So he is Dior mm. the beautiful, and he's... Mm. He's the first half elf we ever met. I was about to ask that. He's Yes. He is a half elf and he is now uh, Thingol's heir. So when if Thingol ever is unable to be king anymore, which he's an elf, he doesn't die, so chances are slim. Uh it means Dior will become his heir. Uh How is uh since he's a half elf, is he immortal? How does that work? He uh he gets a I believe he gets a choice. I think half elves get a choice where oh. they either get to live as elves or as humans. Oh. I believe can have the best of both worlds. I believe it's either that or he just has the life of an elf. I don't know. He's but he he is he is essentially immortal. He's god. In my pop culture brain. <laughs> You, we are now replacing him with Miley Cyrus. Young yeah. Miley Cyrus from the show. <laughs> God. Anyway. Dior, Hannah that? Montana. Gotta be 10 years ago, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Anyway. Uh, Get the but... best of both worlds. Uh, and I'll take it slow. Then, then you. rock out the show. How can I change that to an elf? Then you. I got nothing. <laughs> we'll have to figure that out later. <laughs> um, to be continued. But because Baron and Luthien be- were able to achieve such a grand feat of like literally going into Morgoth's house and robbing him, uh, this kind of gives a big morale boost to all the other elves. And Mithros, the son of Feanor, he gets a big morale boost from this. And he's like, holy shit, Morgoth isn't as untouchable as we thought he was. We need to strike while the iron's hot. We need to kick some ass. Let's fucking go. Let's do this. And so 
he starts sending out messengers to all these different groups to try to gather them together and form this kind of big alliance um, uh, called the Union of Mithros. And they'll, they'll like come together and they'll just fight. What's happening out there? <laughs> Neighbor kids. The kids? Yeah. Oh, oh, let, me, let me close the window. Okay. <laughs> they knew we were on a podcast and they they're like, now we shout. Now we shout. And now for an intermission. Okay. I could like hear them coming and I was like, don't go away from the window. Like, Stop, no, go away. And please. they just... <laughs> um, child, no. Um, but yeah, so he sends out all these messages. However, because the sons of... Sorry. Because the sons of Feanor have done some shitty things in the past... Specifically, Kurufin and Kelegorm. Fanor. Uh, they, uh, not as many people join. Uh, mm. He sends word to Nargothrond, to Orodreth. And Orodreth is like, uh, no, my brother was helping Baron, and your brothers usurped him. And then they start, they became, like, they. I was supposed to be king, and, like, they had the people wrapped around their finger. And then have you heard all the bad shit they've done to Baron and Luthien? No. No, you're not getting any help. Uh, but there is one group led point. by uh, an elf nobleman named Gwyndor. Uh, and he's like, nah, if we can knock out Morgoth now, I'm gonna join Mithros. So he leads a few of his uh, friends and a few other soldiers who want to fight. And they go over to uh, Fingon who lives in uh, Fingolfin's son, who's now technically the High King. Uh, he leads them over to Fingon, and they're like, hey, we'll serve you now. And Fingon's like, sweet. Um, Doriath doesn't send anyone to help, because he had the Silmaril and stuff, and the uh, Sons of Feanor are like, hey, give us they the still, Silmaril. We're gonna need it. They still want the Silmaril. Yeah, they, they have to. They have to. And they're like, hey, give us the Silmaril, and if you don't, we will be your enemies. And so Thingol's like, fuck you. Uh, you harassed my daughter and her husband. No, I'm not giving you shit. So Doriath doesn't come to help. Hmm. I believe only two. There were two elves of Doriath who went out uh, named uh, Mablung and Beleg. And they are both great like hunters and bowmen. And uh, he, they want to go help fight Morgoth. And he's like, okay, you can go. Just don't serve any son of Feanor. Only serve under, like, Fingon hmm. or someone like hmm. that. And so, like, not very many elves outside the sons of Feanor and the sons of Fingolfin are joining. And, but th uh, this time, Mithros reaches out to the dwarves. And it's like, hey. Oh, I forgot about them. Uh, Morgoth harasses you guys just as much as he harasses us. Come join us. And uh, the dwarves are like, oh, sure. And they bring all these weapons and armor and outfit all the elves and stuff. They're like, come unionize. And he, uh, Mithros also gathers a bunch of Easterlings, uh, which mm -hmm. are men who have just recently arrived in Beleriand. These aren't okay. like the... These aren't, they aren't considered the Adain. The Adain are the three original houses who join in. Which are like the house of Beor, uh, the house of uh, 
the uh, the Haladin and um, the House of Merach, or the House of Hador. Now, um, but the Easterlings are uh, under primarily two groups: uh, the Men of Bor and the Men of Ulfang. And Bor and Ulfang are their leaders. And uh, he also uh, gathers together uh, the men of Hador. Uh, they join Fingon, uh, the men of the Golden Head. Uh, if you remember Huin, uh, Hurin and Huor uh, yes. from a few episodes ago, okay. uh, the ones who were kind of valiant warriors and they got to live in Gondolin for a time. Uh, yeah, and they, they got join to up. leave Gondolin. Yes, and they got to yeah. leave because uh, the eagles brought them there, and they're like, "Well, we don't know how to get here other than eagle." Also, my preferred mode of transportation, eagle. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also sends word to Gondolin, uh, the secret city, uh, but there's no response. Gondolin is silent. They're and still in lockdown. They're minding their own business. They are. Con- they're <laughs> constantly just on lockdown. <laughs> that is and the so... safest route. Uh, Morgoth spies, though. They tell him about this big plan where, uh, if you have the map open or not, you know that large plain in front of Morgoth's fortress called mm-hmm. uh, Anfauglith, which is now just kind of like this barren wasteland? Yeah. Uh, is that the one that got burned down? Yeah. On his gender reveal? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Morgoth's gender reveal part. Yeah. Um, they have kind of built like a ring around Anfauglith. Uh, on like the marches of Mithros, which are these hills to the east, and the arid Witherin, I think. There are mountains to the west of uh, Anfauglith, where Fingon and his party is marshaled. And they've set up this system of beacons between them. And when the mm-hmm. beacons are lit, they'll all charge in at the same time, and they will overwhelm... Hey, that overwhelm... sounds familiar. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Return of the King. Yeah. That famous beacon scene. Uh, that that was their plan. They would all light the beacons, and once all the beacons were lit, they'd all charge in together, united, and crush Morgoth's force, which was assembled on the plains below. They really got a <clears throat> excuse me, a nice little army going here. Mm-hmm. Good job, Mythos. And so, like, they're gathering, and they're like looking out over the uh, forces of Morgoth, and they're kind of like, oh shit, there's a lot. There's a lot of orcs and evil men among the forces of Morgoth. And Does he like, still have his dragon, too? And he ha- he has more dragons now. Oh, more dragons. Great. He has Glaurung, and Glaurung has also birthed, like, new dragons and such. And it's been, like... By herself? Himself. Him- himself. Himself. No, I think... I don't know if dragons... Jimmy, explain. I don't know how dragon sex works. Because it also could it, be that, like, Morgoth just makes them. Yeah, because he was the only dragon, so... Yeah, Glaurung <laughs> was the first dragon. So, I don't know, maybe maybe it's, like, the cells that just split apart into two. <laughs> and it's just like that. <laughs> um, but they're, like, getting a little worried, and all of a sudden these horns sound behind them, and they turn around. And there is uh, Turgon of Gondolin leading an army ahead of him. Oh, heck. They've come to help out. They've come to join them. I just got chills. And uh, 
he uh, meets with his brother Fingen, and Fingen shouts aloud, oh gosh, let me see if I can pronounce this correctly. Hell yeah. Utulian Aure, Aya El Dalie, Ar Atanatari Utulian Aure. The day is come. Behold, people of the Eldar and fathers of men, the day is come. And everyone That responded. was pretty good. And everyone responded with, Auta uh, Ilome, the night is passing. Uh, Sounds legit, legit to me. Yeah, so now they've kind of formed up, and Morgoth is like, ooh, don't like that. <laughs> and he can't, he can't assail them, because they, for anyone who's watched Star Wars, they have the high ground, Anakin. They can't, <laughs> you can't, they, going against them would be suicide. So he's like, yeah. I gotta draw them out. I gotta yeah. make them spring their trap before they're ready. So he sends an emissary out to where Fingon's army is on these mountain sides. And the emissary is dragging a prisoner with him. Oh, hey. Uh, this prisoner is an elf named Gelmir, and he is the brother of Gwyndor of Nargothrond. Oh. And uh, he was taken captive long ago and thrown into like the prison mines of Morgoth, but now he's been dragged out for this very purpose. I'm and... surprised they like kept him captive. Oh, they like they his, love his kill. They love taking elves captive and just breaking them down in the mines. Ugh. Because they have this favorite thing where uh they will psychologically scar them so much that they like get like a Stockholm syndrome type thing. Yeah. And then they'll send them out amongst their kin, like they'll release them this Ew, broken person God. and then they'll feed information back to Morgoth or betray their kin in some way because they're just so damaged. Um, and then some, t and then after that, they, people start to just distrust people who Morgoth releases. So yeah. then as kind of like mockery, he won't even fully break some of them and he'll just release oh, no. them. But because other people have betrayed yeah, their folks, their kin don't trust them. So they get cast out again and they become oh. like these, sad loners living in that the woods hurts. by themselves. Yeah, That's Morgoth brilliant is brilliant cool. and that hurts. And yeah, he's he's brilliantly devious in how he handles that. Um but he brings out this prisoner and oh, uh well the emissary brings out this prisoner and he's like we got plenty of these guys back in our minds working yeah. for us slaving away. Oh, this is what they say. We have many more such at home, but you must make haste if you would find them, for we shall deal with them all when we return, even so. And with that, he hacks off the hands of Gelmir, the oh, prisoner, no. and then hacks off his feet as oh, he's crying God. out in pain. And then he cuts off his head. Oh. And Gwyndor, his brother, sees this and loses his shit. And he draws yeah. his sword. He jumps over the ramparts and leads a charge down at the heralds on horseback. Oh, no. And a bunch of his kindred follow. Oh, no. I don't and, like where this is headed. Uh, seeing that like the forces are starting to break up, Fingon's like, okay, now or never. Whole army, let's go. So Fingon's army charges down into the battle. And uh, Gwyndor uh, charges in, and and they're like their charge is so swift and so like destructive that Morgoth's plans almost get like ruined because of just how like like 
great they are at fighting and how like this charge is just so heated pissed them off oh they are fucking pissed and it's like they like charge so deep into the enemy lines that gwyndor even gets to the gates of morgoth and he's just like charging and they like they could not restrain and they and like they break in to angband and gwyndor is just like hacking people and just killing so many orcs uh, and, but, like, it's just the elves of Nargothrond who've charged in this deep, and the orcs close in behind them, and they kill oh. all of them except Gwyndor, oh, who no. they just grab and drag him down into the mines for torture oh, and all sorts of horrible stuff. Damn, he had a bad day. <laughs> and this is the chance Morgoth's been looking for, because now that Fingon's in the battle... He now send, he opens a bunch of secret doors of his fortress that he had prepared, and an even bigger host starts emerging from mm. it, looking to surround Fingon on the backside now that they've charged in to fight. Oh, they're fucked. Uh, this is happening. He's like, and Falglyph is massive, and he's like a hundred. Imagine like Anfalglyph being the size of like the Great Plains or so. Like, something happening in Oklahoma if you're in like South Dakota you're not going to know what's happening Yeah. and so Mithros is unaware that the other, other army has charged in to attack Damn. and so uh, seeing that they're about to be surrounded uh, Fingon's army starts to retreat and uh, like Turgon like gathers his men about him and tries to hold them still uh, but the orcs start breaking through and they're about and they charge in towards the king's bodyguard and they're about to go in and slay him and as Turgon's holding his ground all of a sudden a familiar figure comes out and like kills the orc and it's Hurin, his old friend uh, who's come to save him and wow. uh, it says uh uh, now the phalanx of the guard of the king broke through the ranks of the orcs, and Turgon hewed his way to the side of his brother. And it is told that the meeting of Turgon with Hurin, who stood beside Fingon, was glad even in the midst of battle. Aww. So it was like one of those, like, they grasp forearms as the battle's yeah. raging around them. Uh, but... Uh, Have a cute little moment as everyone's dropping dead. <laughs> yeah, by now, however, like, the, uh, the, everyone's hearts are renewed when they hear the horns of Mithros, who is now aware that the attack is taking place, mm. and now he's charging in with his men and his dwarves as mm. well, and they're charging in to fight. Um, and, uh, like, they're fighting, and Glaurung, the father of dragons, is, uh, like, really kind of pushing back, but the dwarves are prepared to fight dragons, because dwarves can withstand fire much better than elves and men can. Oh. And dwarves wear these battle masks uh, in front of them. So, like, dragon fire does very little, and they can, like, surround Glaurung, and they just start beating oh, the shit out of them. hell yeah, dwarves. Like, <laughs> but, Who are these uh, little people? Yeah, and uh, Morgoth's like, oh, shit, and his Balrogs are doing their best, but you have the elves of the West fighting back just as hard, and he's like... I, everything's gone to shit, but he's had a plan. You see, he sent an emissary to one of to Olfang, one of the leaders of men serving Mithros, and he's like, if you betray Mithros, I will give you what you want. Oh. 
And so Ulfang and his sons, in the middle of this battle, switch sides. No! And start attacking the elves. Oh, God! And then the elves, unaware that the people of Boar are not traitors, but only the people of Ulfang no. are traitors, slay the people of Boar just to be safe. Oh, no. But, uh... Luckily, uh... The sons of Boar, they... They, they remain loyal. And they yeah. slay the sons of Ulfang. Uh, but they lose a lot of their oh, own people as well. That's awful. Uh, but by now, uh, like their forces are crumbling, and so the sons of Feanor, they draw together, and they come together with the dwarves, and they're like, let's get out of here, and they like push away out of the battle and start to retreat. Mm -hmm. Um... In this moment, uh, the uh, Glaurung is surrounded by dwarves, and he's currently fighting the Lord of Belagost, Azakal. And Azakal is like, he's fighting Glaurung almost one on one, and Glaurung kind of strikes him down. But as like, he passes over the body of Azakal to pursue the enemies, Azakal like, draws a knife and just jams it up into the dragon's belly. Ooh. And it forces Glaurung to retreat from the battle because he's so Ooh. injured. And uh, in the middle of this battle, the dwarves, like some of the dwarves just quickly grab him, put him on a bier, put him on their shoulders, and start to bear him away, uh, chanting a funeral dirge as Aww. they leave the battle, and no one interrupts them. Not orcs, not other dwarves, wow. not men, not elves, because, like, they see, they're so somber and powerful in, like, their stance as they, like, leave that none opposes them. And so, finally, you have Fingon's forces looking to retreat uh, as they uh, are being kind of overwhelmed. And uh, Gothmog, the lord of Balrogs, he, he comes... And he separates Fingon from his brother Turgon. And uh, finally, Fingon's guard gets ripped apart. And it says, At last, Fingon stood alone with his guard dead about him. And he fought with Gothmog until another Balrog came behind and cast a thong of fire about him. Then Gothmog hewed him with his black axe, and a white flame sprang from the helm of Fingon as it was cloven. Thus fell the high king of the Noldor. And they beat him into the dust with their maces, and his banner, blue and silver, they trod into the mire of his blood. So they just annihilate Fingon, and uh, son of Fingolfin, he's dead now. Um, and so the field is lost, and everyone's retreating. Uh, Hurin and Huor are with Turgon, and they're just like, hey. The Hurin turns to Turgon and is like, hey, leave. You gotta get out of here. You have a secret city you can fall back to. Me and my brother, we will cover your escape. Like, mm. the humans, we will cover your escape, and we will like fight to the last man. And he says, uh, uh, Turgon says, Not long now can Gondolin be hidden, and being discovered it must fall. Then Huor spoke and said, Yet if it stands but a little while, then out of your house shall come the hope of elves and men. This I say to you, Lord, with the eyes of death, though we part here forever, and I shall not look on your white walls again, from you and from me a new star shall rise. Farewell. And wow. so Turgon leads his men away, but Maeglin, his nephew, the dark elf, he overhears 
what Huor says, and he kind of keeps this in his heart. He's like, what does it mean from me and from you a new star shall arise? And he kind of keeps that in mind uh, as they pull back. And so he escapes, and Hurin and Huor, uh, they hold the paths of Serech, uh, giving the elves of Gondolin enough time to escape. And they draw their men about them, and uh, Huor is finally slain, and Hurin is standing alone. Mm. And it says, last of all, Hurin stood alone, that he cast aside his shield and wielded an axe two-handed. And it is sung that the axe smoked in the black blood of the troll guard of, Mor- of Gothmog until it withered. And each time that he slew, Hurin cried, Aure untulava! Day shall come again! Seventy times he uttered that cry, but they took him at last alive by the command of Morgoth. For the orcs grappled him with their hands, which clung to him still, though he hewed off their arms. And ever their numbers were renewed, until at last he fell buried beneath them. Then Gothmog bound him and dragged him to Angband with mockery. Thus ended near Nath Arnoidiad, as the sun went down beyond the sea. Night fell in Hithlum, and there came a great storm of wind out of the west. So at this point, the realm of Fingon is no more. Hithlum, that land behind the mountains, Morgoth essentially takes that and gives it to the traitorous humans, who then kind of oppress the humans living there. Uh, the House of Hador, the remnants of Hurin, Huor's folk, they essentially become like second-class citizens and slaves to the men of the East who've kind of moved in. Uh, Orcs and wolves are now free to basically wander the rest of the world. Uh, Mithros has lost his uh, position on uh, the marches of Mithros, and just darkness is able to sweep in. Only Doriath, with the Girdle of Melian, is still technically safe. Uh, the dwarves retreat to their halls. Nargothrond is essentially becomes uh, just a hidden kingdom again, uh, mm-hmm. with them kind of using guerrilla tactics to protect the plain around it. Yeah. Uh, these havens that the elves have set up all along the west coast, they get annihilated and burned. Uh, Círdan, Ooh. the shipwright, he escapes and kind of settles down on an island in the south, just trying to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Man, and dark days. Yeah, and so it, it seems to everyone that we're dead, we are fucked, and uh, Turgon sends word to Círdan saying, hey, get some of your best mariner- mariners and sail into the west and try to get the Valar to help us because we are doomed. This is our yeah. last shot. And they sail into the west and none of them return except one person uh, because the uh, the west is... As you know now, uh, it's forbidden for anyone to return now. Yeah. Uh, they have those enchanted islands that are set up around that like generate storms. And if you land on one of those islands, you just fall asleep forever. It's the Bermuda Triangle. It is. It is the Bermuda Triangle mm-hmm. of Tolkien. <laughs> uh, but Morgoth is still unsettled because Torgon got away and he still doesn't know where Gondolin is. Mm. And as long as Gondolin is around, it's a threat to him. Because mm-hmm. anything he doesn't know, he's like, I don't trust that shit. And it says, Therefore Hurin was brought before Morgoth, for Morgoth knew that he had the friendship of the king of Gondolin. But Hurin defied him and mocked him. Then Morgoth cursed Hurin and his wife Mordwin and their offspring, and set a doom upon them of darkness and sorrow. 
and taking Hurin from prison, he set him in a chair of stone upon a high place of Thangaradrim. There he was bound by the power of Morgoth, and Morgoth standing beside him cursed him again, and he said, Sit now there and look out upon the lands where evil and despair shall come upon those whom thou lovest. Thou hast dared to mock me, and to question the power of Melkor, master of the fates of Arda. Therefore with my eyes thou shalt see, and with my ears thou shalt hear, and never shalt thou move from this place, until it all is fulfilled into its bitter end. And essentially he's like, hey, guess what? I'm gonna fuck with your family, and I'm gonna make you watch. And, like, with my power of sight and hearing, you'll see it all. Ugh. Ugh. They're and, all so evil. Yeah. And the orcs gather together all the bodies of the slain on the field and make this massive hill out of bodies and just pile it up. And yeah, it became known as the Hill of the Slain. Uh, but grass came there and grew again long and green upon that hill, alone in all the desert that Morgoth had made. And no creature of Morgoth trod thereafter upon the earth beneath which the swords of the Eldar and the Adain crumbled into dust. And Damn. yeah, and so Hurin is now forced to watch as a doom is set on his family. For his wife Morwen uh, lives in Hithlam, and she has a son named Turin, and uh, as well as a uh... yeah. Do I so... want to know their names. Am I going to get attached to them <laughs> just for them to die? Yeah, basically. And be doomed. Uh, in, I mean, in this moment, uh, there's this mass exodus of the people of Hador, of the House of Hador. Uh, Huor's wife, uh, Rian, uh, she basically leaves her son Huor, uh, Tuor, sorry, Tuor, uh, to be raised by these gray elves that live in the woods, and she basically goes away because hmm. she's just so fucking depressed now. Hmm. Uh, Morwen, however, she's kind of a strong-willed woman, and she's like, no, we're not leaving. We're staying here. This is our home. We've always lived here. But my son Turin, and she's pregnant at this time with a daughter, uh, and she's like, but Turin, you got to get the hell out of Dodge because, like, they are like anyone who they see as a threat gets killed. And Turin, you are the son of Hurin. You are his heir. So you need to be kept safe. So she sends him to live in Doriath, and she sends word to Thingol, and she's like, Hi, I'm Morwen. I'm like a cousin of Baron. Can you take care of my son? Because yeah. uh, Baron, like, took care of your daughter, essentially. And Thingol, by now, Thingol has actually, like, grown to respect humans. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Yeah, totally. I'll take your son in as my foster son. Wow. And he essentially raises Turin in his hall. And almost treats him like his own son. And he, uh... Turin becomes... Yes, uh... But now, uh, she is... Uh... Morwen is living as, like, a poor woman in Hithlam. And she's just kind of wandering. But, like, the Easterlings don't, uh, bother her. 
because they whisper that she is a witch because she has this ancient knowledge of her house. And they're like, oh, if you fuck with her, she'll curse you. So she's kind of like this poor witch woman living out in the woods with her daughter. That's Um, a great rumor. Very helpful. It is a helpful rumor. And uh, and she names her daughter Neonor, which means morning. Uh, Sad morning, not day morning. Oh, not cute. Yeah, like... (laughs) I'm in mourning, not it is mourning. Um, Take it back. That's so yeah. sad. It's very sad times, though. I get it. But uh, Turin, growing up in uh, Doriath, becomes fair and strong. He's got the black hair of his mother's people. And he is uh, uh, kind of but kind of pale, though. Uh, but he's marked with sorrow. And... Uh, he went before the king and asked for weapons because he's like, someday I got to go back and get my mom and sister. Aww. So the king gives him the dragon helm of Dorloman, which his father had had. Aww. And uh, he lets him like go to war on the marches of Doriath to kind of train him. And in doing so, uh, Turin becomes very close with uh, Beleg, one of the elves of Doriath who went to fight in the war. Hmm. And there's some kind of gay stuff between them where mm. they like are very close and they won't be parted from each other. Oh, love me some gays. Uh, but uh, Turin eventually comes back and uh, he's way worn, he's haggard looking, and he's kind of filthy looking. And there's this yeah. elf among them. We'll do them. that to you. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this elf at the feast named Seros who does not like humans. Mm. And he says, uh, he looks. He looks at how, like, bedraggled uh, Turin looks. And he's jealous that, like, Thingol looks at Turin as a son. Mm. And he says, If the men of Hithlam are so wild and fell, what sort are their women of that land? Do they run like deer, clad only in their hair? Wow, rude. And Turin grabs, a, like, a goblet and just chucks it at Saros' yeah. head. And it just hits him, and he's <laughs> grievously hurt. And then Turin's like, fuck this, and he leaves. And so oh, the next like day, Saros like has a sword, and he waylays Turin while they're, he's out walking in the woods. And Turin just grabs the sword out of his hand, because Saros isn't really that much of a warrior. And he makes Saros strip, and then he chases him through the woods in front of him. <laughs> Heck. However, Saros, in fear... Uh, is running blindly through the woods, but then they come across this gorge, and Saros falls into it and oh, dies. No. Oh God! And Turin is like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> and just then, uh, some elves come across uh, the captain of Thingol's guard, Mablung. He sees this, oh, and no. he's like, "Turin, you got to come with us to see the king. He's got to pass judgment on you." Oh God! And Turin books it. Because he's like, holy oh, shit. Oh, this just gets better and better. Also, the note I wrote down is, Turan throws goblets at racists. Basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he flees Doriath, and he joins up with a bunch of uh, humans who've been wandering. Uh, they're just actually a bunch of men. And uh, they kind of become bandits, where they just basically rob and kill whoever they come across. Mm. Be they humans, elves, or orcs. Yeah. They're just trying to survive. Um, 
but then like when everything uh when news comes back to Thingol, uh he pardons uh Turin because he's like, no, Saros deserved it. Oh damn. Mm-hmm. And but uh Beleg comes before Thingol and Thingol says, I grew I grieve uh Kuthalian, which is the la- uh Beleg's uh kind of epitaph. Uh his he's called Beleg Strongbow and Kuthalian in Elvish means strongbow. Mm. He says, I grieve, Kuthalian, for I took Hurin's son as my son, and so he shall remain, unless Hurin himself should return out of the shadows to claim his own. I would not have any say that Turin was driven forth unjustly into the wild, and gladly would I welcome him back, for I loved him well. And Beleg answered, I will seek Turin until I find him, and I will bring him back to Menegroth if I can, for I love him also. Then Beleg oh, wow. departed from Menegroth, and far across Beleriand he sought in vain for tidings of Hurin through many perils. And Dang. so, we should end maybe there for tonight, uh, with Turin living among these bandits and Beleg going out to find him. Wow. That was actually a pretty fair judgment. I was not expecting that. Oh yeah, no, like Thingol... Thingol's made a turn from, like, he's had some sensitivities with HR, um, <laughs> and he's a... He's a changed dad. He's a changed dad. Uh, but yeah, that's... Uh, the tale of Turim Turambar is not a happy tale. How do you spell that, Turon? T-U-R-I-N. Oh, it's so close. E U R A M B A R Turambar Turin Turambar And uh that was just a precursor like we still have more depressing stuff to go Oh yeah oh, God. Definitely That wasn't enough death and destruction <laughs> Never enough It's uh... never enough in Silmarillion Tolkien's is, like, I, I spoiled you guys with The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings where only a few <laughs> characters die. Now... Everyone dies. Now everyone dies. Is Morgoth the big bad? Like, there's no bigger bad than him, right? Oh yeah, no, he's the OG big bad. Okay. Because like, he's... Everything, everything he's malicious. Bad. Yeah, everything bad uh, was fucking done by... um. Like Morgoth first, like Sauron. Yeah. Uh, like Gandalf even says, like Sauron was not wholly evil at the beginning, if only because he served another instead of himself for a time, mm. and then he becomes fully evil when he's free and can do whatever the hell he wants. Mm. Um. But yes, that is that is that that is our episode Oof. for today. Oof. Oof, I need like a meditation moment now to get over yeah. all of those battles. You, you and need to cover. You need to cover it. Everyone, deep breath in. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone dying. So yeah, the only people really alive are, I believe, the sons of Feanor are all still alive. Is Baron and Luthien still chilling? Baron and Luthien are still in the woods. Yeah, they didn't yeah. partake in the battle because they were. Okay. They're living they were a happy the life as they should. Yeah, they they're retired. Thingol didn't get involved because he's like fuck the sons of Feanor. Um, Nargothrond. Nargothrond didn't really get involved, but now Hithlum is lost. 
The marches of Mithros are lost. The havens are destroyed. Uh, and a bunch of humans and folk are just kind of wandering the lands trying to survive. It's yeah. kind of becoming more like Mad Max in this regard. <laughs> I it's haven't only seen a few Mad refuges. Max, but I've heard I need to. You need to watch Fury Road. You really do. I mean, you'll probably watch it with like Is Molly that... at some point. Actually, uh, I think that's on the list of things I need to watch because isn't there a character that makes everyone feel gay? I will everyone. send you her picture, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know exactly who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, I, I gotta. I gotta. <laughs> One sec. She's coming. Uh, <laughs> uh, played by uh, Charlize Theron. Oh. I didn't realize it was her. Yeah. Sending you a picture. Where are you, where are you dropping it in? Uh, I'll just send it on Twitter. That's what's up. What's up, father? Man. Thanks, guys, for listening to our shit. Yeah, thanks for listening to our shit and the nonsense we spew. Yeah. Watch Mad Max Fury Road. It was <laughs> it was my movie of the summer of, I think it was like 2015 or 2016. It was like my movie of the summer where I went to watch it like five or six times in theater. Oh, yeah, I've seen her. I've seen pictures of her. Yeah, that's a dope outfit. Yeah, she's got this cool uh, prosthetic arm. I was about to say, I want an outfit like this for like a Ren Fair. Like a badass. Post-apocalyptic Ren Fair. Yeah. They should do Ren Fairs where it's more like sci-fi stuff. Though I guess that's just conventions, but. Or like a uh, steampunk kind of. Ooh, yeah, steampunk could work. Yeah. Got it. I, I wish I could. Oh, if I could do anything, it'd be over for all of you. If I could draw, it'd be over for you guys. If I could create cosplay, it'd be over for if, you guys. If we were billionaires and had a Del Taco Bell. If, uh, God, so many ifs. But yes, at this point, I'm just rambling into the night. Uh, thank you, everyone. Uh for listening to our shit special thanks to jack hook for composing our intro and outro music. jack jack and special thanks of course to wool for Ooh, wool. creating uh our cover art as always they are magnificent and and our executive, executive producer, producer and sponsor ethan. yeah so thank you ethan of course for who pays for our podcast <laughs> your hard-earned money for uh us to do this grand we do this podcast even if you guys didn't pay us but uh, the fact that, like, the fact that we have an executive producer now, I'm like, ooh, yeah. we're official. Look out, Someone everyone! Someone funds us. Whoa! <laughs> Move over, big podcasts. <laughs> some big podcasts. I don't want to use Joe Rogan because we're not at all like that. Mm. Uh, we are the anti. <laughs> we are the anti-Rogan. Yeah. Uh, thank you all. Uh, Thanks for listening. Yes. Thanks. Thank you, everyone. Cue the music. <laughs> Brilliant. Fantastic. So Finrod is a Zodiac killer? That was the big takeaway. That was the takeaway. Tweet that right now. Finrod is a Zodiac killer. Da-da-da.